Blog Talk Radio. Radio.com, and today is always an amazing day to be on air. In spite of anything, we are determined to have a great show today. Um, today's Wednesday, February 7th, 2018, and today's special guest is actually talking about a very important circumstance that is happening in our neighborhoods and in our communities behind classroom doors, kids and sexual harassment with Tracy Brown and Cheryl Foster. And today we're going to have uh, Ms. Tracy Brown, who's a social activist, and uh, her special guest, NFL mom, Cheryl Foss, to speak on sexual harassment within the school system against minority students, which has propelled a movement called My Son Too Movement. And we're going to have um, Jazzy, as well as these ladies, give you a little more insight in regards to this conversation and topic today, which definitely deserves some well-deserved publicity and attention and focus. So today, um, we want to thank all of our listeners for being faithful with us. We had a um, a very odd technical blackout earlier, uh, but like I said, we're determined to get on air, and we're so faithful and so grateful uh, for those who decided to stay and maintain and listen over. And the great thing is, all of our shows are 24-7 archivable on demand. So if you're coming in the broadcast at a certain time, you didn't get to hit us from the beginning, you can always go back and listen to the show in its entirety. Lime Off Radio Network is an online radio channel covering everything from day-to-day life to all forms of entertainment, comedy to film, and all arts in between. And uh, Jazzy, I'll let you go ahead and start bringing in your guests. Hello, everybody. I am so excited in spite of, as our producer said, all of the uh, technical difficulties, which we haven't had in quite some time. But you know what? Technology is what technology is. And the rain never helps us uh, out when we are uh, expecting it to do so. But we're grateful for the rain. So let me just say that because it is providing us wonderful nourishment for our soul. But I do want to mention that uh, the show that we have today is imperative that we talk about um, our guests that are coming on. And they'll be joining us in a little bit. They've been waiting so patiently um, up until now uh, trying to get online with us but it's imperative that we talk honestly Um, you know for going on five years now wow this show 
is five years old. Our broadcast, Loudmouth Radio Network, is five years old this year. But as you know, I started out my show, The Bare Truth, Love, Life, Sex, and Flowers, meaning that all of those topics within The Bare Truth, life itself, love itself, sex, flowers, because I love them. Um, But we started out talking truthfully, and today is no different. We want to talk truth, and sometimes that truth is a lot to handle. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it's things that we really don't want to deal with or we don't want to hear. But just as our climate is changing with the legislation, uh, with allegations that are now becoming worldwide with the Me Too movement, um, it's important that we don't skip over everybody that's involved in that. And just as much as I personally was a Me Too, am a Me Too survivor, we want to remember that If you are a minority in this country, and sometimes people don't even like us to say minority, but if we are black and brown, let me just put it like that, or if we have melon in our skin, a lot of times we are judged, we are not treated fair, um, and so many things that go on in this country is against us. And so today's show is no different we are going to be talking about sexual harassment from behind the classroom doors. And believe it or not, it starts so early, guys. It starts so early. Um, And we're going to hear about that in just a little bit. But if you want to call into our show, please do so at 347-826-7520. Go ahead and call somebody. And if you're like myself, go ahead and get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. I'm a coffee drinker. Go ahead and uh, get something for yourself so that you're able to enjoy this time with us. Um, We're going to be on here for approximately an hour unless we just get really heated up and going. Um, But, you know, call a friend and let them know, listen, we're on air. And we're going to be bringing a topic that I think is extremely important. For many of you that have children, you know, we send our kids to school every day. They are our surrogate mothers, our surrogate fathers for our children. And we're counting on them to take care of our babies, right? We're counting on them to just really give our children the education that we're sending them to school for. We're counting on them to protect our children. Um, And so... They have a big, big, big responsibility. And so what we have to do is to maintain um, trust, or so they say, (laughs) in that school system and in those educators. Well, a lot of those educators are not doing what we are expecting them to do, but rather they are actually preying on our kids. We don't allow prayer in school, but we have predators in school. And a lot of times they're coming in the form of our educators. Now, specifically, they're coming in the form of educators, principals, um, and even sometimes security. They're coming in the form of not so melon skin. And we will have to be honest and truth because this is the bare truth. 
they're coming in the form of our white teachers. And our white teachers are being allowed that black teachers can't do without getting in major trouble, which they should. And so let me just let me just say a little disclaimer here. Any teacher, any educator, any principal, anybody that is doing wrong with our children, they should get in trouble. Okay? It should never be that a, a teacher of any can do whatever it is that they want to do. That's just not how this works. So um, what we want to make sure is that anybody who's doing wrong to our children, what happens to them, what should happen to them, correct? So this is the thing. If I'm a black teacher and I have a white colleague and we both do wrong against our children, what should happen? I'm going to leave that question to you. <laughs> I'm going to leave that question to you. Now, we do have some people who are calling in, and I want to let them come in if you'd like to. Press the number one on the uh, on your phones if you're calling in so that you're able to speak. And if you just want to hang on and listen, then just sit and listen. You don't have to do anything. So I want to make sure that you are able to speak and talk about this we're going to wait for Tracy Brown and Cheryl Foster to come on in so I want to welcome you in Tracy are you with us hello okay so I think someone is there I see the 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 switchboard is all lit up our producer is over here well, we'll wait till you come in. I'll just keep talking. Okay, so once again, technical, technical. <laughs> Are you here with us, Tracy? Yes, I okay. am. Okay, there we go. I tell you, we have been having some stuff happening over here on the switchboards. I see it all lit up with with guests on. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us and, and waiting patiently for all of the stuff to, to clear up. Thank you. I can barely hear you. Okay, thank you. I was just um, texting Miss um, Foster to make sure she's she gets on um, back on the call. Hold on. Okay. Okay. I think Cheryl is with us as well. She's on the line as well. I think so. Is is Cheryl? Cheryl, if your number starts with seven one four, you're on air. Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. Well, thank Hello, you so much. You I can hear yes. you now. <laughs> We're all together finally. <laughs> awesome So ladies I kind of opened it up To talk about This hot topic of today and, and definitely this hot topic Of our society but with a twist um, Definitely The Me Too movement has been going on Strong which I am so excited That it has picked up momentum Because it's been going on for some time But I definitely wanted to Introduce 
my son to movement because it's important that we don't leave anybody out that is a part of the black and brown movement of injustice. So I definitely want to have you guys have the floor and tell us a little bit about you and then we can go definitely into this, the depth of this conversation. So Tracy, if you will, if you want to take the floor, we'd love for you to be introduced to our audience. Okay. Hey there. Um, my name is um, Tracy and um, um, basically I'm a um, parent um, advocate for, um, for my son and for other students. Um, and um, we attended school in um, Gwinnett County Public Schools. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, um, we, we did Gwinnett County and, and also um, private schools, you know, while still paying public uh, school taxes. Anyway, um, exactly, basically, exactly. <laughs> basically, this is basically a, um, I'm a voice, and um, it's it's time our kids are being um, unjust um, treated in the classrooms. They're being harassed. They're being bullied by the very same people who we trust when we send our kids to school um, to get an education. And um, right now, it's time to speak out on a lot of things. And the number one thing that we're going to be talking about is sexual harassment, um, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. it's being handled in the school system, and also the large number of students who are being falsely accused because this appears to be the number one thing for um, a school system to charge a student of and get away with because they know that the Board of Education is going to sign off on it. And then if it goes to the state, they also sign off on them as well when it pertains to minority students from what I've um, been, been seeing out there while I've been um, advocating. So and that's what we're going to talk about. Cheryl? Wow. Yeah. That is a lot. And you know what? I, I started the show off saying that, you know, this is not always an easy topic. It's not always something that we want to hear or even, you know, we, we kind of see things and then we overlook it and we just go past it because it's too heavy. But it is imperative. It's so important that this be brought to light because as I stated and as you stated, kids are going to school. They are looking up to teachers. They're looking up to principals. Um, our social workers and even the security now that's on on campus and they're saying hey you know this is happening or sometimes they don't know how to say this is happening they don't even know what this is they just know something about it feels weird and I've seen other counterparts you know not be handled the same way that I'm handled even if it's the same situation And it's something that really has gone on for many, many years. And for those of you that don't know, Gwinnett County is in Georgia. Um, It's about, what, about 30 minutes from downtown Atlanta. So it's one of the top counties, actually. I remember years ago, Gwinnett County was the top growing or the fastest growing county in the United States. It was just so many people coming in, coming in. The building was crazy. And so it's a very affluent area. It's a very, you know, private area. As as, um, Tracy said, a lot of private schools. Just, Just a really nice place, actually, to live. I used to live there many years ago. So it's a great area, but it's so many undercover things that's happening in Gwinnett County. Um, and it's not just 
you know, limited to Gwinnett County, as you're going to hear uh, from Ms. Frost, it's, it's all over. It's all over. So definitely, um, we're happy to have you on the show, Tracy. Um, Cheryl, you. if you want to chime in, definitely we want to have your point of view, and then we can talk about our individual um, experiences as well as a collective experience. Cheryl, are you still with us? Yes. Um, okay. The prison, the, the school to prison pipeline, thank you so much. The school to prison pipeline, it is certainly an epidemic. And mm-hmm. it's definitely something that's plaguing our schools. And it's just not um, in one centralized location. This is something that is across the nation. Yeah. And, um, you know, far too often students are suspended, expelled, or even arrested for minor offenses that, um, you know, where something should definitely be left to the principal. But yet mm-hmm. still, you know, they bring in um the prison system, and I think mm-hmm. it's so sad that we can reasonably, reasonably sit, uh, expect our kids to be able, you know, to get the opportunity to have a free education, but yet and still, if they're denied that, how do we expect them to succeed in life? They're never going to be able to succeed in life if they're uh, pushed into the criminal justice system. So I think mm-hmm. that this is something that is very, very important. And, um, you know, and it's something that we're trying to pinpoint exactly why is this happening to our kids. Mm-hmm. And so I do thank you for having us on this call because it's something that needs to be talked about. And um, it's a movement that I believe in. And this is one reason why I align myself with Tracy to assist mm-hmm. her in getting the word out here because, um, you know, our kids are our future. And it's something that we shouldn't take lightly, even if our kids are no longer, you know, in the school system, they've, um, you know, but it's still, we need to, we definitely need to fight for the kids that are still being plagued by this epidemic. So true. So true. Very, very well put. Um, I think, you know, what, one of the things that I think, or even that I know, and Tracy and I, you know, just in our brief meeting, um, together a few months back, um, we were having an open discussion and we were having an open forum and uh, the topics went everywhere and it was wonderful and it was uh, young and it was older and it was seasoned and not so seasoned uh, conversations, people of all different ages, but we all fortunately were of a brown skin color. Um, and I say that because of course, we have different shades of black and brownness, but I say that not to alienate any color of person or any ethnicity, but what I am saying is it is important that black people and brown people have the conversation. Um, I think we have been suppressed for so long to feel like we don't have a voice and we don't have a right and there is nothing we can do that we stop talking about it. And then from the talk about it, then as Tracy and I have have shared, and I'm sure, Cheryl, you and Tracy have shared uh, even longer, is okay, now that we've talked about it, although we will continue to talk about it here, what is the doing process? What is the next step? Where do we go from here? And this is when Tracy is going to, you know, share with us in this conversation about legislation, local legislation, and then taking it up further. Because if we do not do that, we're just a couple of, as they say, the good old hens are just 
you know, chuckling and clacking. And that's all we're ever going to do and be is just a bunch of women and some men just talking about it. So I'm so excited that we're starting or rebirthing the conversation because it's not new. Trust me, this is not a new thing. It's not new at all. And you were (laughs) telling me that... You were telling me that your son went to school in Gwinnett County in, in kindergarten. And she mm-hmm, said her son is mm-hmm. 27 now and was yes. charged with sexual harassment. So 27 years old. 20, 27 exactly years right. old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you imagine and years ago, so, I'm sorry, years ago when he was in Gwinnett County School, five years old, just going to school for the first time. Um, and I'm the type of mother, let me prepare you to go to school. So he didn't go to school blind. Like he knew his ABCs. He knew his numbers and things. Right. It was a brand new school. Um, so I'm thinking brand new meant, yes, you're going to get the best education. And brand new just meant brand new. Um, matter of fact, my mm-hmm. children were more um, sexually harassed as well as racially harassed in this new school than they had ever been. Um and in the so kindergarten. He was in kindergarten, he was five years old and he came home with a note and I got a call from the school system that said, we need to have an immediate meeting. Um, your son is about to be suspended. And I'm saying, excuse me, say what? <laughs> like this was in his first week or two. And, um, you know, call the school. Again, I'm a very active parent. I'm not the parent. This is, you know, whatever. I am very right. involved you know, with my children and I went, you know, contact the, the, the teacher, we set up a meeting and the principal and they said, well, you're, we have a zero tolerance. And this is pretty much when the word zero tolerance started going through the educational system 27 mm-hmm. years ago. And he, um, and, and so they said to me, well, he has been charged with sexual harassment. Now, of course, I'm looking at them like, is this a joke? He's five. He's five years old, so really roughly 22 years ago. So he's five years old. What are we even talking about here? And they said, well, he's been um, charged with kissing a girl. And so I said, I said, okay, my first question was, who is the girl? And they told me her name. It was a young little white girl. And I said, well, did you see them kissing? And I'm still thinking this is a joke because they're five. Sit them down and explain mm-hmm. why touching is inappropriate. Don't call me and tell me my son is getting ready to be suspended. So they said no, but she came and said, or the other kids came and said that he kissed her. So I he said, said, she said, yeah, that. <laughs> no adult so cousin. I, he said, so she I said. said, well, did you suspend her as well if it's a zero tolerance? Of course, the question was no. Well, she... She said, I said, stop right there. Let me tell you what's going to happen with my son. He's not going to be suspended. If anything, you're going to call me and this young girl's parents and say that this was the incident that took place at five years old. And then if we have a further incident because you're explaining to a five-year-old what sexual harassment even means, then we can have this conversation. But what you're not getting ready to do is target my young black son. That's not going to happen. So I think the first thing in that scenario, and even in any of them, is for the school system to recognize that parents, one, have a voice. Two, we should have a voice as parents, and we shouldn't just allow our children to just be charged or 
you know, right. well, that's what an adult says, and so it's law. Because we as the parents, as you said, my taxes is paying for that new school. Right. I have some say-so at the, at the parent-teacher conferences, and I have some say-so with the school board, and I'm one of those people who, well, let's just take this to the board. <laughs> let's take right. this to where we need to take it because that's not going to happen. And so after that meeting, when they saw this, this black mama, this brown mama was not going to be the one to just accept that, they did send a warning home to both myself and the other parent. After that, I found out probability is that this young girl was being abused because she was kissing everybody uh-huh. in the neighborhood. I found out she lived in my neighborhood. Uh-huh. Um, and so several parents and several children were coming saying that she was pulling children behind bushes. That's a whole nother sexual harassment type of story. But the yeah, whole but the thing, thing is, the is they want to ignore it because they're white. Exactly. They're ignoring anything the exactly. white kids do. It's ignored. Yeah. It's ignored exactly. and pushed under yeah, but I, I just, like I said, after this happened with my son, and basically, little girl, don't ask me, she tripped on his lap, he pushed her away from him. And this magnitude, mm. and it's not just it's not just sexual harassment, it, it's sexual battery. So, wow. this is speaking to other students who, who they literally, like, hit someone in the butt, like, hit them in the butt, like, football players, basketball players, they hit, mm-hmm. they hit they hit in the butt all the time, right? All the what time. are you going to do? Right. Start going around accusing them for sexual harassment also? But this, again, is the number one thing that they can charge and get away with. They can get away mm-hmm. with it because they mm-hmm. know everyone's going to validate it. And I think it's really sad, in my opinion, when the state gets in without doing, uh, you know, forensic. You know, at this point, um, when you have a bunch of students getting together at some point in time, polygraphs need to come in play because most of the discipline that goes on this in schools is based off of racial discrimination. Yeah. So yeah. that's the number one problem. And Georgia is number five in the nation on how they handle um, discipline in the first place, number five. And they're also number one in the nation, Gwinnett County, for um, charging minority students with um, sexual harassment and sexual battery. They're number one in the nation. So that's right there. It's not something that, you know, you're number one in the nation. What are you doing? How are you handling these cases? Mm -hmm. How are you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in my case, the Title IX coordinator was the one that facilitated the entire investigation. She did every last thing. And there's a, um, you know, every state has a um, conflict um, act. It it was a a total conflict of interest. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have an outside person. Not one outside person. She did, she, she, we'll we'll go into that later, but she, she did every last thing. And this was something that I had already told the school principal, um, when I was verbally attacked by her and um, a math teacher, when I went to go have lunch with my son, they snatched the lunch out of my hand, which she did, the, not not the Title IX, but the math teacher. I always mm-hmm, go, you mm-hmm. know, like you, we're me and Cheryl, we're both, we, um, Cheryl's uh, son has graduated and, you know, he's a top um, scholar, but anyway, um, 
we are active with our kids. And so I always go to right. school and have lunch with my son. So, you know, they, um, I went to have lunch with him. Um, she just sat down and started discussing his discipline records right in front of the other students who we were having lunch with. And then um, the math teacher, I went to hand my son his Zaxby once, and she literally snatched it out of my hand and started yelling at me like we were on a plantation or something. Like, you can't eat here. You can't bring outside food. Bring Everyone brings outside food. And exactly. it was just humiliating and embarrassing. And what they want you to do is they want you to react so they can get the SRO officers involved. And then that's a whole other thing right there. And so from that point on, I specifically went and told the, the principal, I said, you know, I don't want her anywhere near my son. I don't trust her around him. And I said, she's a racist. I don't want her anywhere near my son. And I also sent an email, and that was part of my um, complaint when I filed my open R um, OCR case. And um, the principal told me, too bad I had to deal with her. <laughs> Are you serious? He's like, yeah, she's like, too bad you have to deal with her. Yeah, and I had spoke to another parent, and that was his um, follow-up where, you know, we're not comfortable with her. Most parents are not comfortable with her, in my opinion, um, in dealing with um, their students because they're, you know, they just, number one, they don't relate. And um, kids know when um, when adults are racist or they don't like them. They they feel that. They right, know it. right. That's, I mean, but you know what? That's, that's something that's almost a given. You know, you, we have that inner sense when things, that hair just raises up on our arms and on our backs when things are uncomfortable. So it's not like your age is going to dictate or your color or whatever is going to dictate you feeling something wrong. So of course, of course kids can, mm-hmm. can sense that, you know. This is Absolutely. crazy, Tracy. Yeah, yeah, but anyway. It really wow. is crazy. Now, how old was your son when this incident? And uh, so that before we go on, let me just say to those of you that are calling in, this show definitely is a needed show. Let me just reiterate that, that the show's topic is really, really um, something that we have to mention, something that we have to talk about. And it's right in alignment with the Me Too movement and the sexual harassment that is going on right now in our climate, in our society. But it's also, uh, in this instance, we all are talking about our boys, our black boys. Uh, My Son Too movement is talking about how they are targeted. And then they're targeted in the school system. And then that school system then turns around to be, as Cheryl mentioned, the pipeline. And you're going from education to jail. And then the school systems are, to me, enabling that jail movement is probably some people behind the system, behind the scenes that are getting paid just as much as the prison. Because it's just going from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And who is profiting? Definitely not our families, not our black families, not our black boys, not our society as a whole, but definitely on the other side of the economic coin the the mass incarcerations are getting free labor. So who's getting wealthy? Just from also, one accusation. <laughs> Go ahead. But I also think that we need to kind of focus more on um, more of an alternative to the discipline practices that they actually have in the schools because, you know, when a kid is out of a classroom, 
it's hurting them academically, and that's mm-hmm. something that hurts them in the long run because they're not able to to get an education with less. Then that's when they're out there doing, you know, other things as to where they should actually be in the classroom learning. So I think that it's it's important that we, we're able to, you know, rest, have some sort of uh, – restorative uh, justice within the classroom itself and then that way it empowers the kids to be able to resolve conflict and with mm-hmm. that is through conversation you know and um, I mean because you never know what's going on with the kid even if there's you know sometimes we all have certain things that happen within our in, in our lives I mean the kid could have basically been upset when he got to school and you know but the thing is you cannot and you cannot take the power from the principal and give it to the police. And I just mm-hmm. do not believe in this zero tolerance thing because all this came about with that Columbine situation, you know, mm-hmm. which was a very mm-hmm. sad and tragic thing that happened within that school. But at the same time, they're basically using that zero tolerance to attack our kids. And that right. is just so right. unfair. Exactly. I definitely it's was very, on that very end, end of that that no tolerance uh, level. But you know what? They, I think we all have to have a we have to have a balance. We have to have something that sets off. Um, what am I trying to say? Uh, laws and governments and and having things in place where we're protected. But as usual, oftentimes things that are supposed to protect everybody ends up going against the black and brown people because we are we are the um, the chosen ones for the discrimination we're the chosen ones for we're not worthy and uh, just be based upon the color of our skin I mean look at it just let's just shift it just for a quick moment just to see how horrible though we know it is but just let's look at the Super Bowl. Wonderful Super Bowl if you are a Eagles fan. If you're not, nevertheless, they're Super Bowl winners. Look at all of the things that took place. Look at the pictures that were posted and the videos that were posted of all of our white counterparts trashing Philadelphia. And they were just enjoying and getting a little rowdy after the game. Whereas if that's the black people, which some have now been, okay, they're going to jail, they're doing this, they're doing the exact same thing, but who's being blamed? Exactly, exactly. the same way in the school systems, the exact same things. And sometimes not even our children are doing it, but they're being blamed for it, even though you see in my it's not son's them. case. In, yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. We have some other callers on the line. I don't know if you want to speak or not. If you do, please hit the number one and we'll bring you in. I definitely want to get your um, thoughts about what's going on. So if you do want to speak, I'll bring you right in and you're able to be on air with us. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on loudmouthradio.com. We definitely always want to bring conversations that are important not only to ourselves, which many of them are, which is why we have our shows, and I'm so grateful. We don't usually bring on shows that we don't have interest, but definitely we want to bring things that you are interested in and things that are going to affect your life or maybe your children's lives. So join in on the conversation. If you have something to say, go ahead, and we welcome you to the show.
So, Tracy, let's come back to you. So okay. tell us, okay. we're, we're, using, we're using topics that a lot of times people don't uh, quite recognize. They don't know what uh, the codes are or they don't know uh, some of the names of the people that are in the school system. So let's step back just a few minutes and give them the breakdown when we're seeing uh, the liaisons, uh, positions and titles and codes. So take us back just a little bit about the exacts of your son's situation. Tracy, are you still with us? I think we lost Tracy there for a second. Hello? Oh, Tracy, are you here? Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, we can. Hello? Now. Go ahead. Oh, okay, I had the pressure. <laughs> All right. Um, hello there. Yeah, so basically, um, in my um, son's situation, it was basically um, a targeting issue um, where, mm-hmm. um, again, there's, uh, you know, a lot of times with the um, what I've noticed, um, what I've noticed with the white administrators that um, get removed from other schools from um, racial disciplining or discriminating of um, black and Latino students, instead mm-hmm. of um, firing them, they protect them and they basically recycle them and they send them to another school where they continue to do the same thing, and that's pretty much the case and um what happened with my son like a um a sixth grade um assistant principal was um removed from um a middle school for racially disciplining and the board had to find something to do with her and they placed her at couch middle school Mm -hmm. where she continued to do the same thing and her and the title nine um rep um coordinator for the school their friends and um, basically, they're gonna, we're going to get this kid out of here. If we have to lie and cheat and steal, in my opinion, that's what we're going to do. And he was, um, false things were placed on his records that never happened. And when you go to oh my um, goodness. the Title IX um, executive for um, Gwinnett, it, it's like a battle. You know, okay, it's, so it's tell like me what complaint. Title IX is. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody what Title IX is. Title IX is when a school has um, any uh, discrimination, sexual harassment. Um, mm-hmm. um, a lot of these, and then I'll bring this up because it's current, it's relevant. A lot of these educators that are basically um, sexually harassing or, you know, these students, all of that falls under Title IX. Like mm-hmm. you would actually mm-hmm. contact um, a Title IX attorney. So all that's under um, Title Nine. So mm-hmm. um, in, in my son's case, it was a it was a targeting issue, and um, and like I said, it, it, it's, it's clear that after a teacher reaches their, or an educator reaches their tenure, it's almost as though they're invincible. They could do whatever they want to do to your student and get away with it. When you're um, a minority, you know, the minority mm-hmm. students. So basically. Mm-hmm. Um, my son was basically a witness in a classroom, and it was a dysfunctional classroom that he should have never been placed in in the first place. So from the start, it was it was premeditated. Um, he basically went and told um, his ninth grade um, the ninth grade teachers that my son had massive behavioral issues, and the mom was off the chart. And I'm a volunteer mom. I'm a PTA mom. In fact, I sat on their board. I'm always professional, very involved professionally. 
So, mm-hmm. um, but she did that justify of putting him in this dumbed down um, classroom that they cherry code, and it's like they're even hiding that from um, the DOE. In my opinion, that's another um, topic. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> she put him it's in this dumbed down. It's a lot. many layers. Yeah, it, it's, many layers. It's, a, it's, it's you're absolutely right. We would have we need more sessions. But anyway, mm-hmm. it took me a while to figure out what type of class this was, was when my son would come home and he would tell me he was on the dumb team and he's an A-B student. And I'm like, what, you're on the dumb team? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, we took a test and I got a 97 and everyone's yelling at their grades and they're like, we got a 36 and we got a 20-something. And, and, you know, how, you know, when, when kids are in the second grade and they start putting them in dumb classes and then the next mm-hmm. thing you know, you hear the educators call and complain and that they're fidgety, they're moving around. It's like, okay, well, they're not challenged. So exactly. you should know better by the time they get to middle school as to what classes they're placed in since they do label their classes at um, Couch Middle School. So he follows his accelerated team. Um, anyway, so um, the, the main student that had actually um, touched the girl and was doing a little bit more than that, um, he actually had a history um, he was older than everyone else. All these students were 13 years old. And um, the, the main girl, she was basically um, um, touched um, several times by two boys. Um, one boy, he just touched her a few times, but he was actually taken out of the picture and replaced with my son. Um, wow. Little girl tripped on my son's lap, and my son, you know, pushed her off like, you know, get away from me, you know, and basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was it. But, um, again, going back to the Title IX, she, she didn't, you know, didn't like minorities um, and didn't like, didn't like me and took it out on my son. And, and, you know, like I said, this is the number one thing that a school can charge a, a, uh, um, um, a student with and right, get away with. Right. So, wow. basically, what she did was is she had... Um, the incident occurred, it was it was a week later when everything started um, coming together. She had um, students in her office coaching them what to write. I want you to write that this boy did, my son did A, B, and C. I want them to get an equal, him to get an equal trouble as the other student, which was white. I want them both to get an equal trouble. And so they started writing. And they were actually um, able to read those same written um, statements on a panel. That's what the schools have. They have these panels. And um, on Gwinnett County's very own guidelines, it clearly says that students cannot read pre-written statements. So it's like they don't follow their own guidelines. So um, anyway... um, uh, a month later, the, the main person, the, the victim, had actually informed me in front of um, her aunt that the principal, that the Title IX lady, had them all in the office telling them to write this down. And oh she said, goodness. you know, my first statement, um, I, she told me to tear it up. And so um, when, you, when you have a panel issue with the schools, you're supposed to go to the school and get the statements, the written statements of testimony before the hearing. And the schools are actually supposed to call you and say they're ready, but I had to call them, send them emails, and it was um, interesting how I sent the principal an email, and I said, hey, I need those statements um, from the students. I said, not the ones that uh, Chrissy Stevens had them write, but the ones they wrote. 
and I said they should have been ready already. So he didn't. Mm-hmm. He missed that, but he wanted to comment like, "What do you mean they should have been ready?" And I said, "Oh, when are they going to be ready?" And he just said, "Come pick them up." You know, it was a day before right. the hearing. And so, so when this all so happened, jumped all mm-hmm. over that conversation, but went to something else. Right. Wow. Right. Exactly. Crazy. Exactly. Like you missed that. So um, I went and got the statements, and then so when stuff like this happens, they basically want the parents to not be talking about it like this because you're so embarrassed, and it's a you know it's, it's just you're you're just all over the place that it happened mm-hmm. in the first place. It's like how did this how did this um, escalate into a criminal act so right. fast? Because and this is going to be on his record. Let let me just exactly and we do have a problem. About, we do have a a caller that's calling in, so I want to address them in just a few more seconds. Uh, I'll allow you to speak, but I just wanted to make sure that people recognize that when these cases, when these false accusations, or when it's an when it's an accusation that may not be as elaborate as somebody is making it be, and and I am by no means diminishing a true sexual harassment case or a exactly. true sexual harassment exactly. issue. I'm not diminishing that. But when it is something that is um, taken from, uh, you know, a, hey, how are you to all the way, oh, my God, I think he was coming on to me or she was coming on to me or whatever. If it's taken out of content, this is on our children's record. They, it, it, on it doesn't go record. anywhere. Exactly. It doesn't go anywhere. So, Tracy, just a quick for, uh, few more seconds, and I want to bring in the caller. Okay. So, um, so anyway... Um, um, when it, it took me a minute um, to realize that I had several statements that she had the main girl write, um, and a few of them she accidentally left in the file. I wasn't supposed to see them, so I had three statements that I had picked up from the school, and one of them was completely changed. But um, she had the girl write write something, and she put he grabbed my what wrist, and the um, um, Title Nine then crossed risk out and added words, added names, added oh body parts. And then the girl said that the other boy had touched her too and the Title IX had highlighted that. And then on the next page, you see where she whited that out. She said, no, 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 I want you to rewrite it and I want you to put A, B, and C. And so the girl completely rewrites the statement and you can see what's going on. And she makes sure that she leaves the other boy's name out which during the panel, I would ask her, hey, well, did this boy touch you? And her eyes got really big, like, no, he didn't touch me. But she had wrote down on her statement that he touched her, and also the other students had wrote. And what was more profound was, is um, during the panel, when the Title IX was um, questioning the, the, the other boy that did touch her, um, she said, oh, well, you said you, you touched her, but... Um, you said you touched her in the in, in the middle of her thighs, but it was light, right? And she's supposed to be doing an investigation. And he yeah. touched so her somewhere else. So she's leading them she's to say she's him. rewriting and she, leading. Yeah, leading him, rewriting him. And not only was she doing that, is um, he, you know, she told them all to write something. And so he put he touched her one time, you know, which was the push. And then she went even further and and said, oh well, well didn't you say he he touched her like like ten times? It's it's just oh like you would think she was there, and that was the thing. No educator was present in a highly dysfunctional classroom. Mm-hmm. It actually mm-hmm. had cameras in it. Mm-hmm. It had cameras to verify oh all of this. And when I asked to see the camera, the principal, Title Nine, once again, 
falsely stated that that um, Couch Middle School, no, she said that the schools don't have cameras. And everybody knows that the schools have cameras. In fact, in April, um, Couch Middle School got over 700 cameras in the school. And they also went all throughout Gwinnett County schools, compliments to the tax dollars. You know what I mean? So anytime wow. you want to see something, a parent can go and say, hey, it's can available. I see this? And so it's the available. school can hide it. And it seems like they just use it to their advantage, in my opinion, as to when they're going to bring the cameras out or not. But anyway, they were able to read all these coach statements. The um, Title IX was everything. She was the um, she conducted the she was the judge and the jury. She was the judge and the jury. She conducted the closed door investigation on all the kids. She expelled my son for um, for ten days pending a panel. She called me and told me my son did the same thing that the that the, the white kid did. And then she told my son that he did he he did something else, and he was going to be expelled into the hearing. So everything you know, nothing was consistent at all. So wow. expelled when we got to the panel, she was the person um, doing all the questioning, and they were reading the post statements that she had them write. And she overall expelled him from school. Oh well, you can go to you have a choice to go to the alternative school, of and of course, course we homeschool. Of course. Yeah, of course we homeschool, and I had to pay for that. And then, um, then she, this is the most even, then she wrote up the, the SRO's report. And it's like on the SRO, and then how you know is, is when I went to pick the SRO report up, it said possible sexual battery, but she will be getting the written statements from um, Christy Stevenson. So now wow. it took me a year, and I tell you, it took me a year to get the full long incident report. And that was another thing, just running around, they were treating me like I was, um, very poorly. Um, of course, to get of course, it, because anytime you are a concerned parent, you are the wrong one when it is going to go against what's what's exactly. actually happening. But let me bring exactly. our caller on. Let me bring our caller on, and then we'll finish um, some of your story. Hi, caller. You are live. Hi. Holding on so patiently. Thank you so much. Welcome to Loudmouth Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having this platform. Um, I'm, I have to say that, you know, my family and I are dealing with the same issues with the school. I have wow. a special needs 17-year-old daughter that was sexually violated at school by a 21-year-old student. And the school oh are um, not trying to assist with finding the, 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 the film that will prove her truth. I have the police that are also in my part of being very neglectful and not trying to be persistent with this. Mm. Um, this has truly been a, such a nightmare for me. And I feel like if that 21-year-old student was um, it was uh, African-American, you know, I wouldn't be having to deal with this. You know, not to mention they still allow this non-African-American student to continue going to school while I'm home nursing my wow. daughter from this horrific incident. Oh, my goodness. First and foremost, we want to say how very sad we are that this had to happen to her, that this had to be a Me Too story. Um, but we do want to say to you and to your daughter that we're so grateful that she survived, that she is alive, and that yes, she will yes. heal and come to a thriving point in her life. Um, and that's what yes. we believe for her. So let me, I, I'm assuming, but I'll ask you directly, are you a brown and a black descent? I am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma and are you in Georgia or somewhere we, else? Uh, yes, we, we live in Georgia. 
Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I'm being very strategic about asking these type of questions because I think it's important for people to know that it's in your backyard. A lot of times yes. we hear some of these stories and, you know, they're in Cali and they're in New York and they're here. And so a lot of times we don't, we, we just kind of skip over things like, oh, yeah, well, that's somebody else. Oh, it couldn't happen to me. Or that's happening over there. And, you know, those schools are horrible. But I promise you, in some of the greatest-looking counties and the greatest-looking school districts, you find the biggest mess. Trust Absolutely. Me. Absolutely. You find the biggest mess. So, um, so now this student was 21. First of all, what is a 21-year-old doing in regular school systems? Well, um, there's a special needs system. You can go to school okay. up till you're 22, but this kid gotcha. only interacts with her class because she's still in school for lunch mm-hmm. and for gymnasium. So okay. this act took place in the gymnasium at one of Cobb County's school, <sighs> high school. And um, the our principal has gone as far as because my daughter, with her condition, she's unable to give us a specific day it happened. Only thing we know mm-hmm. for a fact that has been uh, repetitiously spoken is where it happened and who's responsible for doing it to her. And um, so he only looked back three dates from the time prior to them going out from the Christmas holiday. Mm-hmm. And, and then had the audacity to call me and tell me, Miss Talon, we didn't find anything on these three dates, so it didn't happen at our school. The, the, man, I tell you, it's hard to hold on wow. to the word, but situation yes. like that will make you really lose your, your you know, your foundation. But, you will. Uh, I did. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And um, and even still, I've sent emails. I've even called like the um, uh, lieutenant, uh, one of the police there on the campus reaching out to him, trying to see if he can enlighten me on something as well so that I know that you guys are still looking, still striving to speak her truth through the through the video footage. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this devil tells me that they done transferred over to the city of Kennesaw. On top of that, I, I, I asked him, well, why would you transfer something over without consulting with me? So and he was very argumentative and aggressive and just said that he did, which he didn't. And then hung up in my face. Mind you, he did not have a panel. They didn't panel him. They didn't expel him. There are two incidents um, that happened at at Gwinnett School, one where the girl said the boy forced her to give him oral sex. Mm-hmm. And they instantly mm-hmm. arrested. They instantly arrested this boy, and put, he was in prison for 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 two months. And then wow. the state wants wow. to again pick up, and we're going to change it to um, aggregated um, a, a sodomy. Jeez. And you know they were mm-hmm. literally the uh, two incidents where the boys weren't even questioned and just instantly placed in jail. And it's like, and so this right here, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a black versus it white. It's my bad because black I versus white, completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, literally, you, you know, Miss Sherry is talking about a panel. I mean, what panel? I don't know anything yeah. about yeah. this. They don't have a, they don't I, have a I panel. Mean, they they have not done anything but other than trying to, not only is she having to live with this and heal from this, but then they want to ask me, you know, her um, voice, her advocate to allow them to sweep this on a rug and not make this young man accountable as well as the school because this is an isolated, this is a contained classroom that's supposed to be supervised at all times. So how Mm -hmm. did it happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm just Mm -hmm. disgusted to the core of my being 
that, um, you know, I'm trying to fight this fight, you know, through the grace of God and with the blessings that, you know, I encountered this angel that, that was, um, you know, assisting me to make the right moves in order to get action done. But right now, you know, it's overwhelming. Wow. Completely. And what I had wow. told her was, I had asked her, I said, did you also um, reach out to your, um, your, your, your legislators? And she mm-hmm. did. She reached out to him. And I think it was, was it, is it David Scott? Um, yes. I did. I, did. I okay. love David and Scott. He, I love David and Scott. And you know what? And yep. And he said he would. Um, he said go on and send over. A, like, what did he tell you to send over so that he, um, he um, emailed me a, this form so that I can release um, a consenting to releasing. You know, my desires for him to you know act on my behalf and mm-hmm. force and I, them to and be I a, that, you know. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was awesome because I reached out and my district is 105. To my um, state, you know, representatives, and basically it was just sending blank emails and nothing, no response, yeah. no nothing. Yeah. And so that's what, what I was um, goal is to, to to let people know to reach out to your legislators and how to like go down to the Capitol and, and lobby and you know be professional and proactive and and mm-hmm. trying to get some results in these different house bills that are out there anyway. Let me just let me just say this, and I know um, a few other people may want to chime in, but let me just say this: um, a lot of people don't feel like um, when we go out and vote that it has to do with anything; that nothing changes. And I will say to you, like I've said to many people, um, I had some people many years ago that said, uh, "Jazzy, what if you find out being a Christian never meant anything?" and quote unquote on judgment day you find out you've lived a very disciplined life for nothing and I said like I say to the voters well I have at least done something that I believed would make a difference and so I'm saying that to say to you that we cannot sit back and feel helpless Um, Mm -hmm. when I've been raped so let me just put that out there it's not a secret I talk about things that happen in my life openly for one, for my own healing, for my own uh, taking my power back and to also hopefully um, help somebody along the way. I was 19 years, 19 years old and I was raped by a former boyfriend many, many years prior to that. But I was in the, the right place for him in the wrong time for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I was going to have anything done because I was a teen mom and having already back in the day, having, having had a young child, I felt like I was going to be squashed and just, you know, totally disregarded. And and what happened to me was just going to be totally negated. So I understand what it feels like to be violated. I understand what it feels like to not be believed. Um, My predator did not admit to it, though, you know, he was drunk. And when he really realized later what took place, it was kind of swept under the rug. His family swept it under the rug and a whole lot of other people, as I knew, would happen. I can only imagine, um, had it been done in school, it would have been far worse. Uh, because when, as, as you're going through um, with your daughter, sweetheart, I'm, I'm yes, ma'am. you know, I, I'm a mom. So I know what it feels like to be on that mom side, but I'm also I have also been victimized with being raped. So I know what it feels like on both sides. But what I want to say about legislation is this: it is imperative. I don't care if they don't change a thing. It is imperative that we feel empowered to make the difference. 
Because yeah, if totally. you don't, we will do things irrationally. We will take the mm. law into our own hands. And guess mm-hmm. what? Nothing will be accomplished. Amen. We will. You, you see what I mean? So it's important to write our mayors, our sheriffs, our whoever has an email, whoever has an address. It's who we need to be contacting. Um, coming on shows like ours on Loudmouth Radio, going to mainstream, taking it to the streets, going to different churches. If we don't put it in front of an audience, a listening and a seeing audience, people don't know what actually is going on. That's number one. Number two, if we don't contact our legislation and if we don't get out and put the right people in office, it will be more uh, on the side of what Tracy is sending out blank emails because they don't mm-hmm. care. Um, right, they don't want to hear. Yeah, look, they don't want to hear. Exactly. Look at the difference. Unfortunately, when people say racism is not present, we are now seeing in this climate of legislation um, that it is very present. We've always known it was present, but a lot of people want to kind of, you know, put it under the rug like it's not there. But Tracy, are your um, in your district? Do you have white or black leaders? They're all white, and I had to, and, you know, I have the common, I have the common sense to go out of my area and um, contact legislators, you know, House representatives mm-hmm, that look like mm-hmm. me. And, right. Um, there's a there's a House <laughs> bill right now. Yeah, there's a House bill right now, House Bill 16, and that speaks volume. It's actually um, when educators are bullying. Um, other educators in the school system, they bully mm-hmm, teachers, mm-hmm. they bully students, they bully parents. And if they're receiving state funds, then, you know, mm-hmm. they're in violation. And so right. at House Bill 16, I'm, it's, it's, right, it's there right now. I'm just asking people to reach out to their local legislators, you know, to say, hey, get on board with this House Bill. And those are the House Bills that we need in place to protect our, um, to protect our students. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like with the educators that are getting bullied, they're afraid to speak out because That's of right. fear that they're going to lose their jobs. That's and, right. you know, it, 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 you shouldn't go to school and be harassed. You're going to work. You shouldn't go to work to be harassed by your um, your educators, your um, administrators. That It shouldn't happen that way. Exactly. You, you know, it's important. Don't you think, this is Cheryl speaking, Okay. don't you think that it's important Mm -hmm. that, you know, seeing that we're actually talking about what's happening in our school, that it's it's important for us to start at that level. And with that being said, you know, I mean, schools should go away from the punitive policies that they have and start adopting the conflict resolution practices because Mm -hmm. these are some Mm -hmm. of the things that you need to bring to the forefront because you need to keep these educators on our toes because our tax dollars are the dollars that are paying for that are paying these teachers salaries. So I think that it's important that we actually start within the school system. I do think it's important for us to reach out to our legislators, but we definitely need to start working within the school and getting them to try to implement some of the, some of uh, the programs that would keep our kids on campus. And, um, I mean, because this is definitely a nationwide problem and it's mm-hmm. something that we mm-hmm. should address. Yes, right to your legislators, but also we need to know how many counselors. We need to know what the ratio is uh, per mm-hmm. kid. Um, 
because most schools do not have enough counselors and stuff. They also, um, do you know who your counselor is? Is there mm-hmm. someone other than your teacher or your principal that you can go and speak with? Are there therapists on campus? So those are Absolutely. some of the things that I think Absolutely. that 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 parents need to ask and they need to gain access to that because we all need some some type of counseling and especially kids because there's a lot of things that are actually, you know, happening in the school system. Then you have those standardized testings and they're also putting a lot of emphasis on that. And the thing is, I mean, there's a lot of kids that can't pass these tests, but they're judged by these tests. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely mm-hmm. a contributing factor to school to uh, prison pipeline. So those that's are true. some of the things that I think that you need to develop a strategy as to how you're going to combat this, and you need to find some sort of a solution and resolution to the problem because it's very uh, systemic. Exactly. You know Absolutely. what I want to say. You know what I want to say, though, Cheryl. So here, so here we all are. And we have either had issues um, in the school systems, or um, we know somebody that have had those issues, and so we're starting from the bottom. And I think you are absolutely right when it's uh, a conversation of taking it through each channel to mm-hmm. get to the higher part of legislation. But here is the thing. Here is here is the little hiccup. When I've spoken to my teacher, okay, let me give you another example. That same school. Um, where my son was charged or almost charged with sexual harassment at five. My daughter was in the first grade at the time, so she was six years old, about to um, turn seven. And she was in the first grade, and she came home and said, Mom, somebody call me the N-word. Well, I can say it on the show. I can say Mm -hmm. it on the show because it's my show. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she said, Mom, I was called nigger because I need you to understand what a six-year-old feels like hearing that word fully. Okay? Right. And so she says, now, mind you, I'm the parent that talks to my children. They all knew what sex was. They knew what period was. They knew, you know, we talked. So they were not coming back and forth blindsided. And so she came home and she kind of looked at me like, well, mom, what did you think about that? I said, how did it make you feel? She said, really bad. And I said, well, what did your teacher do? She nothing. said she did nothing. Wow. And she looked and she said, mommy, my teacher doesn't like me. So, I, you know, my insides is boiling, but I want the six-year-old to feel free to talk to me. So I said, well, why do you think she doesn't like you? And she said, well, she's a white teacher, and the little girl was a white little girl, and, and she's okay mm-hmm. with her calling me that. Okay, here is the mother, again, active mom, goes to mm-hmm. school, and she's doing this in front of the class. She was not called a nigga outside the classroom. She's saying this in the class, and it's being allowed. Okay? Mm-hmm. I go to school, and I'm following channels. I forgot what her name was, whatever the teacher's name was at the time. In Gwinnett um, County. I, I, in Gwinnett County, in Gwinnett County, Miss uh-huh. um, So-and-so, we need to have a discussion. And like you, Tracy, she said, well, what is it that we need to talk about in front of the entire class? And I said, well, it's a sensitive issue. You know, I would like, you know, to schedule some time or, you know, we can step outside or we can talk. 
She was like, no, we can talk about this now. So we already know what this is about. Okay. (laughs) So if you want to take that with me there, no problem. Not at all. (laughs) Again, this is 22 years ago. So it would be a different it would be a different conversation now because of all of the things that have happened in school. So we probably wouldn't be having that conversation in the classroom. But mm-hmm. it just goes to show you that she felt that it was okay. It was okay yeah. to discuss this in front of everybody, just like it was okay for my daughter mm-hmm. to be called mm-hmm. a nigga in front of everybody. And so we had our words and I let her know under no certain terms was this okay with me. And you as the teacher needs to get your class, your attitude and everything else together because this daughter right here, we're not going to do that. So from that point, from teacher, went to a principal's, we had our meetings, we had our conversations. Um, and of course they were furious with me. I was a hairstylist at the time, had other parents come in, talk about the same school and the same problem. And so mm-hmm. maybe, maybe another month of this school, and this was the beginning of school year, guys. This wasn't like we were deep in. This was beginning wow. of brand new school in Gwinnett in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And I politely said to everybody, I may not know everything that my kids need, educational, I mean, how to teach them, but we're going to give it our best shot because this will never work for me. And so I pulled all of my children out. They begged and pleaded for me not to do that. I said, okay, so you want, what is it, $500 or so at that time per child of, of public money? I think it's more now. Eight hundred, yeah. So, right. Some, so per child, I think it was five at the time. So per child, for those of you that don't know public school, the way public public schools stay public schools is they have to be able to have certain amount of kids in school. Then they get that money per child. So when you pull your child out, they lose those funds. Now, mind you, they never really have enough public money to really adequately run a public school because they're cutting out so many things for the school. That's why we got to bring them all those school supplies that don't really Hmm. belong to them. It kind of belongs to the whole class in case you didn't know. But nevertheless, I pulled my children out. They were upset about it. And I even had a black teacher say, don't you understand how important it is for us to have that funding? And I looked at this teacher like, don't you understand that I needed you black sister to come in and protect my black children? Okay. Exactly. If we're not going to do that, then don't give me the blackness. But here I am as a parent. Here Tracy is as a parent. And here we all are as parents on this phone. And we're following protocol. And we're taking it from the teacher to the principal. And then we're taking mm-hmm. it from the principal to the counselor. Then we're exactly. going from counselor on. And so we're to the board. the board. Because me, I'm a board girl. I go on, I just going on straight up through the, through the line. So when we get to this point, where we are following all of the procedures, this is when we have to take it to legislation. This is when we have to contact our councils and, and our commissioners. And, our, and, and when I tell you everybody, I am so serious because if it's not the person, as Tracy said, that's in our district, if I go outside of my district, my, my, my outside district person, my Dave Scotts, might say to me, well, I know who you can talk in your district that has faced this issue. So it is right. important for us to be involved 
in the judicial cycle that goes on from the local to the highest level. But follow, you're absolutely right, Cheryl, follow the protocol from teacher up. If we jump over the teacher to the board, you're going to have a whole lot of people that will cause problems in between because we did not follow the proper channel. But definitely as we're following the channel, then conversation like, like we're having today can say, what can we as an outside group, though we're inside the school systems, what can we implement that will allow attention to, to come to those areas? What can we do? Because we have to be empowered to do something. In fact, what yes. I notice is, is is when you do follow the protocol, like I got to the Title IX executive, um, at over 170,000 students, there's one person that takes all the complaints. So when I did reach out to him, I was basically beat down um, mm-hmm. in the email. Oh, well, you know, we vigorously take care of all of our educators. So if you got to file a, a case with the Office of Civil Rights, go right ahead. Okay. Like it was no big deal. Then I was told to stop sending them emails. I would send all the board members and everyone, including him, an email. Mm-hmm. And none of the board members responded. All, mm-hmm. and all that those mm-hmm. tax dollars, and they didn't respond. And um, he said, and we've been advised to block your emails. And so oh don't um, send goodness. them emails <gasps> anymore. In fact, your son isn't even in the, um, the school district, and he's facing criminal charges. Yeah, that you're. Um, a Title IX um, uh, administ- coordinator administrated, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. told me not to send them, and, like, you're not even in the system. I'm like, yeah, but my tax dollars are in your um, district, and I will be sending you an email. But that just tells you how arrogant they are. And really? like most, Yeah, the average parent, they get frustrated, and then they're done, and what they want you to do is just to be silent and leave yes. them alone and let them yes just harass and do whatever to your students that they want you to while we're funding all of this foolishness in our in our with our tax money. We're paying for wow. all this mess. That's and they, so true. Schools, they get federal funding. They're getting right now Gwinnett County is under investigation on how they handle um sexual um harassment um cases. They're under investigation. They're on the verge of losing their Title IX funding. That's over seventy four million dollars. These schools are receiving federal funding, their state funding, their you know county from our taxes, and they're you know they're supposed to educate, not discriminate, and you of know course. they're 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 discriminating, in my opinion. Of course, that's exactly what it is, Cheryl. I know you had something to say before we stop for a quick com- commercial break and come back on and, and um, finalize our show. Hang on, just a second. Oh, okay, Cheryl, go ahead, go ahead. Charlie, You're listening to it? the Loudmouth Radio Network. I think okay. it's important that, you know, our kids are able to uh, to be in a healthy learning environment because this is where they actually thrive. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's important that we continue to explore and learn from this, you know, learn from the things that are happening within the school dis- district. And I think that we should be the one that should uh, – you know, should should speak to these administrators and let them know that there's a positive way of discipline a student rather than uh, putting them into the uh, criminal uh, justice system and also giving the student an opportunity to learn and problem solve. 
you know, mm-hmm. because um, mm-hmm. we've gone away from that. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, if something happened in school, you go directly, They either the teacher handled it or they called your parents or you went right. to the principal. And you would sit and you would be able to um, have a conversation. But now so many of the schools are understaffed as to where, you know, they don't want to problem solve with the kids. They don't want to teach these kids these type of skills, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to problem solve, you know. And um, so now what they're doing is they're just pushing them out. And I call it mm-hmm. the pushing out effect. And they don't realize that that truly affects the kid. It, it affects him when, once he gets older because most kids, when they feel that they're unfairly targeted and that they're not being heard, what do they do? The first thing they, they think is out. that, oh, they act out, they drop out of mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. and then they get a lower-paying job. And, you know, I mean, uh, people don't realize teachers should be there to teach. It is not right. about policing. It's about teaching these kids. Mm-hmm. So that's You're funny. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I think it's, I think it's really a, it's a lot of layers. It's so many layers to this because personally, I believe that every single grade needs to have a a, a psychological counseling, um, critical thinking class. I think no matter what age it is, these kids are facing so many things from home. Then they get to school, face another set of problems. Then they have teacher problems, law enforcement problems. And and just as a whole, just as a whole, these kids are coming to school hungry. They're coming to school abused. Then they're getting more abuse at schools a lot of times. Um, And so, they don't know how to critically think, and they don't know how to act because who is the protector? So when we're coming back home, this is why I'm saying we we do have to come to a place where we have more suggestive um, resources and more active resources because we can talk about this all day long. We can talk about it every day, all day, but until we have right. some things put in place, Home, school, um, the judicial system, these kids are going to continue to face these kind of problems. I know we only have three minutes left. I want to give final uh, comments, and then we're going to end the show. But let this be the first of many of this conversation because we want to follow each one of you um, and see how we as a network can can continue the story. So, Tracy, I'll let you say final words in these last three minutes. Okay, just the final words. Um, um, just like I said, right now it's open legislation time. Just reach out to your legislators. Um, go online and um, and see which house bills are, um, pertain to um, your um, your student. Um, thank you for Excellent. having me. You can find us so on um, my son um, two dot com. My son and, two and yep. Everything will be and on there. And that's with two T O O, correct? Correct. Uh huh. Okay. My son two movement. Um, definitely, we want to follow you, Cheryl. Do you have any last comments? My last comment is that um, I think that it's important that we look at our schools because a lot of kids are in classrooms that are under that are overcrowded, under resourced, and um, 
a lot of the teachers are unqualified. The counselors are unqualified, and I think that the adults are the ones that should basically, you know, take the lead and be the heart of the solution. I love that. I love that. Mom? Okay, go ahead, Cheryl. We got about one minute. Again, our hashtag is my son too. Excellent. And mom, I didn't get your name with your daughter. Do you have any last comments in this last fifty four seconds? Um, no. Um I just my name is Donna Tally. And okay. my thoughts are, you know, just find a way to get this exploited, you know, not just in this particular school in Kennesaw, but you know, throughout all schools so that parents and kids can communicate a little bit better so they won't be prolonged like my situation with my daughter. Well, definitely we all want to join in to um, help each one of you and to, and to keep this conversation going on. I definitely want to reach out and continue to stay connected. Uh, this is Jazzy Jones-Smith with LoudMouthRadio.com. We appreciate all of you that have listened today. Um, this show will be archivable. Understand we do have some technical difficulties uh, in the front part, but definitely we'll we'll let you know where to come back in so that this story can be heard. You see how technical difficulties almost didn't have us on the show today, but this story <laughs> and this movement needed to be heard. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, my thank you. You're all in my prayers, and I know that we're going to see each other on legislative floors. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Listening to the Loudmouth Radio Network.